You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Very good day, everybody. Let's uh, look at the date. It's the 17th of January, 2023. And it's windy. Okay, we've all been practically blown away overnight. It is very, very, very windy indeed. But not a bad wind, actually. It's quite warm and, uh, in general, not a bad day at all. So, Neil, a uh, very good morning to you. Is your weather the same down there, the other side of the mountain? Good morning, Vince. Yeah, sun's out. Beautiful. I've been for me walk. Sun's out. I was in shorts and, uh, and a, a, a T-shirt. And it was a bit windy as I first started, but it seems to have calmed down a bit now. It's yep. just like a breeze now, but it's it's nice and warm, you know. Yeah, it um, it dropped here dramatically, and then about the last five minutes, it's um, caught up again. So uh, all in all, uh, um, we've got. Um, well, I mean, for this time of the year, you you can't really grumble, can you? Well, it, it's it's that warm. Ailey's got all the uh, all the washing out online. That's how good it is, and it, and it's be out ten minutes when there's a breeze and the sun's on them. Well, it's only 10 minutes and the article comes in. Tell her from Go me, on. be careful because she might find that that washing will end up down in Alicante. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> up on top of the hill. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. Okay, so virtually every time you pick up a newspaper, uh, we've got a new name for a new part of COVID and uh, basically people coughing and spluttering. And so there is an article by one of the doctors today telling us about our body's circadian rhythms and nocturnal sleep playing an important role in regulating our immune system. Uh, This is Professor Mabbott. That's why disturbed sleep can reduce the effectiveness of our immune responses either to infections or vaccines. Dr. Stephen Kinnear, a Bangor-based GP in County Down, says since sleep is vital to G up our recovery, I use the children's remedy Calpol Vapor Plug and Night Light, which can stop a blocked nose disturbing my rest. Um, the vapors help decongest, he says. Eating well helps too. Think the Mediterranean diet, rich in colourful plants, each with their own host of anti-inflammatory and antioxidant nutrients. Uh, this is Jenna, Dr. Jenna Macchiocci, a senior lecturer in immunology at Sussex University and author of Your Blueprint for Strong Immunity. Focus on protein because this provides the building blocks for the different components of our immune system. In addition, your tissues may have incurred damage from the infection. Protein is important to rebuild and repair. Okay, all this because people are coughing like bilio, and um, we've got quite a few people that I've spotted over the last couple of weeks um, coughing away. Uh, Have you found many people coughing where you are? Everybody's at it. Sniffling nose and a bit of a cough. 
I mean, I, I don't check anything. When I go to bed, I'm just getting in bed, go to sleep, get up in the morning, that'll do me. If I've got a bit of a cough, I've got a bit of a cough, I'll take a bit of Linktus and off I go. Yeah. I mean, all this nonsense. I mean, what, what do you think our bedroom's going to look like? Kew Gardens? Okay. You've got to put Kew Gardens all the way around your bed and God knows what, hanging baskets of Babylon and God knows what. Or is he just uh, is he just trying to, you know, get a, a free uh, backhander off Vic that oh. shove up your nose and this and that and the other? If you've got a blocked nose, yeah, a bit of Vic up, you know, like, like you got when you were a kid. Put a bit of it up, it clears your, you know, it clears your nostrils and then get back to sleep. No problem. Well, I was interested because there are a lot of people coughing and spluttering and um, I've got one of the comments that I, I always like to look on, underneath because, um, you know, a lot of people write some very sensible things and, of course, they're not there as the journalists, but they are worth reading and uh, this particular one uh, caught me fancy. Um, this one <clears throat> doesn't say whereabouts in the UK. But the scary thing about this whole pandemic is so many adults who lack basic hygiene. Still now, I see people uh, snort up phlegm and spit it on the street. Tube platforms and even train floors. People pick their noses and wipe it on the tube seats. I really do not get people who don't wash their hands on a regular basis and definitely before eating. I had the pleasure last week of sitting opposite a suited and booted bloke on the train who spent most of the 40-minute journey uh, rooting round his nose and eating what he found. People Whoa. are disgusted. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't holding it, back, whoever that was. It, lick it, roll it and flick it, on yeah. it? Some of oh. these days are kids. <laughs> but I mean, oh, no, I can't be doing with that. I'd about to tell him. <laughs> I've got to say, there are an awful lot of people who don't seem to wash their hands and do the obvious. And if that is the case, then obviously um, you're always going to get a problem, aren't you? Exactly. But it's winter. We all get a cold in winter or some form. You know, it'd be mild or, you know, you might get a, a really, you know, heavy, snotty nose that you, you, you're blowing your nose every 10 minutes. But, I mean, the other one, you know, we get fresh lemons off the tree, don't we? Yeah. You know, there's lemon trees everywhere. Yeah. Get a nice hot lemon, put a bit of sugar in it, get it down, you pickle sort you out. Yeah, I've got to say, um, I have a, a, a lemon daily um, and, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, warmer water to uh, just wash it down. It's not, I don't like yeah. the taste particularly, but uh, by the time you read about the lemon and how good it is for you, I mean, it's such a good uh, good um, fruit, isn't it? And up, up near us, one of our friends, he, he keeps bees. And he gives air like fresh honey, you know, when the when the dinghy is a big jarful. Brilliant. So to check the to check the dinghy off the, the lemon, the tartiness, just put a, a I put half a sugar in and a bit of lemon in, uh, a bit of uh, honey in. Yeah. Stir it all up, it's lovely. Just a nice fresh fresh cup of you know, just a cup of water with, with them in. It's lovely. Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll move on and uh, we'll go to Yeah, we'll take this one. Okay, there's a little bit of uh, in-writing and talking in the paper. Petronella Will Wyatt, apparently is a name I maybe should know, but I don't. Uh, Petronella Wyatt's claim that Camilla would have been quite happy not to have married Charles, 
prompts nods of assent from veteran courtiers who remember the late Queen's stance during the pre-marriage burnishing of Camilla's image by royal spin doctor Mark Bolland. Marriage wasn't on the agenda as far as HM was concerned, says one. She was having none of it and conscious that Charles would one day be king and supreme governor of the Church of England, wanted him to finish with her. However, she relented when the campaign to make her acceptable as as his wife succeeded. And so the woman who never wanted to be queen will be anointed and crowned in May isn't life grand? Okay, that's what I read. Um, what are we, what are your thoughts on all the royal stuff? Well, I mean, Charles. I mean, he's been waiting for donkey's years, and if you know, he nearly gets a throne. I didn't think he's. I didn't think he'd be seventy odd by t- by the time he was going to get gra- you know crowned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, weren't there a thing at one time that you couldn't marry a divorcee or something like that, and well, this, that, and the other? Look, you know. I'd, I'd, what Let, rules are we playing by? Well, yeah, they, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's almost like the rules are rewritten and silently and secretly put to one side. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the fact is I've now watched the Prime Minister tell and, uh, stand in front of the cameras and tell lies, um, and Charles is busy telling everybody how to behave um, as the head of the... Uh, Church of England, and yet, you know, it's all very well putting his hand on the Bible and saying, this is, uh, you know, what we've got to do, this, that, and the other. You know, if you're not prepared to keep the rules yourself, I think you've got to set the example, because that's all I was ever told as I was growing up. You know, you've got to remember other people's look at what you're doing, and, and basically you've got to do the right thing, and he certainly hasn't done the right thing in my eyes. Well, it's, it's, you know... Is, is it one rule for one and one rule for us? You know what I mean? It's, it's one of them things, you know. I mean, good luck to him. If, if that's what he wanted, he, I think he wanted that before Diana, but, you know, she, she were a bit younger and a bit bonnier and this, that and the other. So, you know, we went through the Diana thing and then now he's back with Camilla. You know, it's one of them jobs, isn't it? Well, as, the, as Diana said, the three in a marriage doesn't work, really. Well, you know. I have to say, um, I never liked the woman in the slightest, so I've got to be honest about that. Uh, she might be an extremely very nice person, but unfortunately, I think anybody who um, can't see what happened has not seen the bigger picture, and realistically, um, the root cause is Charles. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the one that's um, messed about. She's also to blame, and, mm-hmm. you know... She was messing about with Charles. Exactly. So her husband was sat at home. You know, it's one of them, isn't it? But I mean, yeah. to, to now to now be in the position to lecture everybody and uh, tell us how we should behave, or at least you know influence it, because he'll be talking to the Archbishop of Canterbury and all sorts of things like that. You know, um, yeah. now it gets on my nerves if I'm honest. And you yeah. know, the, there was a poll went through on the I think it was the Mail UK today um, on whether uh, who do you think's affected the monastery uh, the the monarchy most? Was it um, Andrew? or Harry and they're voting 41% think it's uh, Andrew and 42% think it's Harry Um, again I'm not the biggest fan of all this kind of stuff but as it's in the paper and as we talk about things like this I have to say um, you know of the two it would appear to me that Andrew's done the more harm and um, you know uh, I think he's only done harm to himself 
you know, Andrew. Uh, and that's if everything's true. No, you know, nobody, right, you, you've had a payoff because it's going to carry on and on and on. But it, as far as that is concerned, if you don't like the eat, get out of the kitchen. So you've got out of the kitchen, but don't now come, now you've earned all, the, all these millions and millions of pounds. Don't come and try and whittle your way back in and say, like, I still want a, a relationship with my dad and my, and my brother and all that nonsense, you know. I think the problem. You made your bed. Go and lie on it. I think the problem has obviously been started when he was sort of a young kid having to walk behind the coffin of his mother and and in the public eye. And I think that must have been really, really horrible. And it's probably an ongoing problem. But then I rather see through Meghan Markle as somebody who's managed to. Um, sort of uh, manipulate him more than anything else. I think that's what's going on there. Oh, she's definitely manipulating him. He's just like a puppet for her. Yeah. As long as we can keep making money and this, that and the other. Now, no, Harry, stay where you are. Stay out of the limelight. I mean, this is them. They didn't want the press yeah. chasing them down and God knows what. And then they're on every television show and, and every photo call that, that there is going. So, I mean... <laughs> Where are you coming from? You can't have the apony and the cake and spend the apony and eat the cake. Do me a favour. <laughs> OK, here's our next one. OK, so one of the stalwarts of the United Kingdom... Gary Lineker. Well, he said that a bigger salary would urge more brilliant minds to run for office. This is obviously the, uh, the the MPs he's talking about. Although he would not enter the Commons himself, Lineker, the BBC's highest-paid presenter, who earned one hundred and thirty uh, sorry one point thirty five one point three five million last year, uh, said a higher paycheck for politicians would entice people, but added that the chances of that happening are slim. On a basic salary, MPs are paid 84,144, which has the potential to rise to 106,519 by becoming a junior minister. Uh, Lineker was talking to the Times Radio, there being Prime Minister, which pays 154,584 uh, per year. Must be incredibly difficult. I don't know Mostly. about you, you know. And also, that all the top MPs have, have come in with expenses of over 120,000. How does that work? Yeah. You're on 84, and then everything you want, plus you get free uh, uh, paid for uh, beers and or, or, or reduced prices, which is next to nothing, for when they go in the bars and, and restaurants in, you know, in uh, Commons and, and in Westminster. Uh, and of course, I'm greedy, Ali. But as far as Lineker's concerned, I have no time for him neither. He's not a good presenter. He he, he wants to try and be nicey nicey on on match of the day and that, and then he wants to come spouting it off about everybody. You know, I can't be doing with Lineker if I'm being honest. Okay, well, I've got a couple of comments that I thought we'd look at. The first one comes from Damien Cunliffe uh, from Merseyside. So, obviously, he's either an Evertonian or Liverpool fan. Uh, he's saying it wouldn't matter who wanted to run. There's a political class in this country, and if you're not part of it, you'd never be allowed near real power. 
Just like if a new party arose and looked like it might actually win one day, all the established parties would work together to destroy it, like they did with UKIP and then with the Brexit party. If you're not one of them, then you're not in the club. And if you're not in the club, you'll never be allowed to advance past the absolute lowest levels. Yeah, I'm, I'm with him on that. But as I say, Lineker, 1.35 million for producing... And don't forget, he's got all these expenses as well when he's in World Cup and when he's staying over in London and God knows what. So let's have a look at his expenses plus the 1.35 million. But I agree with what he's saying there. Um, you know, it's all these toffing holes, uh, but, you know, at Oxford and Cambridge and God knows what that seem to be wanting to go to, you know... Be an MP and this, that, and the other. I think they're well overpaid. Lineker and all MPs should be brought down to a normal salary. Well, I'm totally with you there because I think that, uh, yeah, okay, they're going to be paid a good salary, but I mean, 50,000, or even if they stayed on the basic, which is quoted there as 84,000, I mean, really, uh, who can't get by on 84 grand? Goodness gracious me. I, I think I could manage that. Well, I think uh, it would be like a lottery win every day of the, every week of the year, wouldn't it? You know. Exactly. Um, exactly. I've got another comment from Dad's Army. Again, came came from Liverpool, so obviously he's bringing out the um, the, the uh, Everton supporters. I think so. MPs aren't le- earning enough. They get a house bought in London for them, travel expenses, expenses for all sorts of other things, subsidised food and drinks in the commons, wined and dined by lobbyists. They often end up on the boards of firms they promote. Ex-prime ministers make millions doing after-dinner speeches. Why do so many rich people become politicians? Because it offers them more opportunities to make even more money. I'm with him all the way on that one as well. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. I think the the problem is, um, you know, when we were growing up and we knew that there were certain uh, MPs that you like, you did like. Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember people. I'm just trying to remember the names of some of these guys. They, they, when they used to go round the hustings and uh, they'd be smashing up the, the, the other person's signs and notices and things, you know. Um, I mean, life was so uncomplicated then. I mean, you'd, you'd get people on speakers' corners and they, they could stand up on a soapbox and say what they really think, you know. Exactly, yeah. And that's how it should have been. You know, uh, even one of the best, the Beast of Bolsover, Oh, um, Dennis Skinner. Dennis Skinner. Remember, we had that bread strike uh, when Thatcher were in, and, and he stood up in Commons and he said, excuse me, does the Prime Minister know the difference between bread and muffins? And she said, no. And he said, well, <laughs> there's two... There's two effing muffins, but there's no effing bread. And he, <laughs> he got suspended for a week <laughs> for saying it. Oh, dear. He? But he was only telling you the truth, wasn't he? You know, but well, that's that's the type of people you want that's challenging, you know, whether you're Labour, cons, you know, uh, uh, UKIP, anything. You want people to stand up there and challenge what they're trying to tell us because we know half of it, what you're going to tell us is going to be a lie. And you'll never answer a question, you know, properly. You'll just go all the way around the houses so people forget what they're talking about. 
Well, I think one of the one of the best things for me was when you looked at um, videos of Niall, uh, Neil Farage uh, trying to stand up and say what they really think was going on in the European Parliament. I mean, you know, that's another huge gravy train. And I really can't understand people like Gary Lineker because, you know, they start off and obviously they come from the um, the football game. But he's obviously mixing with people who obviously have a totally different lifestyle and money these days, isn't he? Exactly. I mean, he wants to keep his nose out. You know, it's all right, Lineker. You, you, we keep paying into these MPs' pots and, and you're all right because you're on 1.35 million plus your expenses. So don't come preaching to us that's at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. You know. OK, uh, right, neither of us then are particularly fans of uh, Gary Lineker, so we'll um, go with the next one. Here it comes. OK, I found this one a bit on the strange side. I don't know whether or not you'll feel the same. Benjamin Mendy, the footballer, 28-year-old Manchester City star. Uh, well, he's been found not guilty of six counts of rape. And then there's a, another count of sexual assault uh, relating to four young women. However, the jury were unable to reach verdicts on another count of rape and one attempted sexual assault. Uh, while, while all this is going on in the background, his sidekick, Louis Sahar Maturi, a 41-year-old, he's been found not guilty by the jury of three counts of rape relating to two teenagers. Jurors also failed to reach verdicts on three counts of rape and three counts of sexual assault against him by five other women. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I know it's not the top quality newspaper but it does give you the story the mail online can reveal in evidence never put before the jury that uh, maturi texted mendy at one point defending the quality of the human merchandise he was sending his paymaster's way telling him you don't know i do, you know i don't have uh, and then s blank blank t girls um so uh, before we comment on that, there's a little bit further down in the same article. The Premier League champion stopped paying his wages of around 100000 a week, once charged by police for a string of sex offences in August of last year. His contract expires next summer. It'll, it will surely not be renewed. A reminder that with a transfer fee and wages, City have blown upwards of 71 million excluding bonuses on him regardless Guardiola gave a character uh, witness for Mendy at the trial of the left back's request calling him a good boy adding that he was unaware of the player's activities away from the training ground because he is not his father and Mendy's own father died in 2020 and his, his mother passed away in 2018. Although I'm not really totally sure why we needed to know that. Um, but it does seem strange that all of those uh, cases were, were found not guilty. But still, we've got other things ongoing. What do you make of you it? See, people's, people, you know, there's never smoke without fire. Um, and... Do all these women know each other? Is it one of you know? Is it one of them? I don't. I don't. You see, you don't know, do you? They just say, 
eight, eight counts of rape and five counts of something else and this, that and the other. So do all these women know each other? They've all got together and said, right, well, you know, God, I'm not being funny. If you're a footballer, people, women will be throwing themselves at you, you know, because they know how much you're earning and God knows what. You know, They know that you're seriously well off. You know, you were like DJs years ago, you know, and, and bands and groups and all that. You had groupies and all sorts. So it's one of them, isn't it? You know, there's no smoke without fire, but are these do these women all know each other and all banded together and say, well, you know, he's dumped us after, you know, he's used us and this, that and the other. He'll have no fury like a woman's gone. But, as I say, uh, it's one of them. He's still got three counts. Some more for come and he, uh, in March or something like that, I think he has. He's got to come again. So, I don't know. I, I, as... I, I, I agree with Pep Guardiola. What he does in his private life is his private life. Any of the players at City, as long as they're not out gallivanting when they shouldn't be, you know, it's it, it, no do with football. What, what what goes on in his private life, you know. But I suppose you see that's the that's one of the problems really because it shouldn't be part of his private life. But having said that, if you're getting paid the sort of money that we've just been talking about, which is huge, um, really you become a representative of the club that you play for. Exactly. Now, the fact that they can't differentiate between seven which they found not guilty and then leaving loose ends to still be judged, I really find it must be very, very difficult to sit on a jury and know which would be um, okay and which would be not okay to find either guilty or innocent. I mean, realistically, once you've set a precedent of numbers, and the the saying seven, I think it was, uh, who were now found not guilty, you'd really wonder whether the the truth of the other one will be able to ever be discovered. Exactly. I mean, I I got called for jury service twice in three years. I thought, God, man, you know, and... What happened is you get all these lawyers coming out with words that we don't, I don't understand them. You know, massive long words about him and his character and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And this man was as guilty as sin, right? And it took two people to say no, and they acquitted him. And then when he gets acquitted, they read out then his 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 uh, his records from years ago. And this man they're doing the exact same thing for the last twenty years. And all the, these these two people that were on there, we're looking at them going, hang on a minute. Well, you see, what, what becomes the problem is without reasonable doubt. So if there's any form of doubt in your mind, you must find him not guilty. Yeah. You know, and, and with all these words, you know, they play on words, these these defence lawyers and this, that and the other, that, hang on a minute, what did he say then? You know, because you can't understand that bit. And, yeah. and people do get away with absolute murders, you know. I must admit, um, I would hate to be uh, sort of faced with uh, eight different sets of circumstances and find one is uh, the one that you say is definitely guilty and then seven not. I mean, I, I really, exactly. uh, that would that would be I difficult. Mean, I'm, I'm one of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, if it's 100%, that, that's fine. You know, if you know that he's done it and this. But they don't read out the previous convictions until trial's over. Yeah, and then how do them two feel that they've so? Oh my, you know they've made a, a boo boo, yeah. you know, 
It's, it, but it, it's, I mean, as I say, I, I ended up there twice in three years. And it's it's not a thing. I think we should have, you know, like a, a, a group of, you know, 12, 13 people, whatever it is, that goes around, you know, that knows about the law. Well, I, I think you're right. I think what they should be, um, they should be lawyers or, or people with qualifications of understanding what law is. Because I think, you know, this uh, this nonsense, this dem- democracy that we call it of 12 just men uh, who basically are just, um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're only the same as you and I or anybody else. They don't exactly. know whether it's exactly. right or true. You, you need, you need a, a certain amount of people that go to these crown courts for these big cases and this, that and the other, who know what what the, the, the solicitors or the QCs are talking about. Because some of the words that come out, you, you're bamboozled anyway. You don't even know what they're on about. Well, I mean... So, when... you know, it's, it's just the same. You still you still pay for it. Or you've got all these on legal aid, that, you know, uh, that then the, they get legal aid. But have this... Have this band of people that know all about the law, like you say, lawyers, ex-lawyers even, you know, any of them, and let them go round and let them sort all that out because they know hell of a lot more than what we do, you know, the local guy down the road. Well, I get the impression, reading time and time again, virtually every day of the week, somebody who obviously has done something, they even actually tell you what they've done, and then the judge exonerates them and doesn't send them to jail. And you think to yourself, well, this is ridiculous. So exactly. realistically, you end up thinking, well, why do you need uh, 12 people to sit and waste their time and make us all feel that there's a justice system? Because it seems to me that maybe that's not the case. Exactly. Or put three judges on. You know, instead of one, one main judge, yeah. you know, have, have them three, because they'll listen to both sides, they'll work out everything and they'll know, you know, all the ins and outs, and just have three judges. You don't need anybody from Joe Public, Yeah, you know. I think that's a that's a good point actually. Okay, we'll mm. move on. Um, yeah, here we go. Okay, this was a very sad one actually, and. Two Dachshunds and a Leyenberger, I'd never heard of one of those, are among eight dogs who were seized by the council after a woman was fatally mauled by a pack of animals. Horrified witnesses have recalled the sheer terror of the dog walker, a 28-year-old, who tried to keep onlookers away even as the animals, who were like a pack of wolves, attacked her. This was in a remote beauty spot, Gravelly Hill in uh, Caterham, um, last week on Thursday at around 2.45pm. There was no barking, just her screaming. She was being attacked, she was trying to sit up, but with the dogs around her and going for her arms, she couldn't do it. It was a frenzy. She was reportedly walking up to seven dogs at the time and was attempting to wrangle the animals after one lunged at a woman and her smaller dog who were also in the park. Most of them may have been still on their leads, one source told the paper. Uh, They were tangled round her, meaning she couldn't stand. It was impossible for them to get away, so in their frenzy, they just went for what was in front of them. Um, 
I, I obviously followed this in the news and on TV, but I thought we'd talk about this business of a dog walker walking more than sort of an odd two dogs, for example, you know. Um, exactly. You can't I mean, control that, can if you? If you're a dog walker, you, you walk a dog, yeah? If you've got seven, you know, or if there's five from one house and two from another, I mean, hang on a minute, and, you know, you, you can't handle them, and especially if, if they, you know, bigger dogs, you know, like you say, like, say, an Alsatians or whatever, you know, but, you know, pit bulls or... And, you can't walk with seven, because all of a sudden, when one of the dogs starts turning round, they're going round your legs, and you, you just fall to the floor. And if they're in that mind that they, they, they were going to attack another woman with a dog, well, the next thing they do, they'll just attack you because you're on the floor. I don't get it, walking that many dogs. It's ridiculous. Well, I know I was walking on the beach yesterday, and uh, there were a couple of fellas in the distance and immediately there was a big black dog with them. And so you're sort of at the back of your mind, you're saying, keep an eye on this one, you know. Um, So they did actually put the dog on a lead, which suggests to me that it was probably a dog that could go for you. Um, The trouble is, you know, it's all very well saying, oh, no, 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 my dog's all right. It's a good dog. It would never it would never attack anybody. Um, but, you know, if you're talking in this case of a pack, um, I mean, absolutely terrible for the p- particular lady involved. But, um, you know, it, it could easily have been somebody else, couldn't it? Exactly. I mean, you've got five dogs in a pack. And, you know, once one starts barking, they're all... And if one's gone to try and attack uh, another little dog, well... All of a sudden, they just go in the same frame of mind. You know, we're here, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll all be on this. But it's just turned back on her because she was on the floor and couldn't get up or anything like that. It's a really sad case. But walking five, you know, big or medium-sized dogs, five dogs is enough because, as I say, once, once they start barking at something, they all start, you know. Well, I can understand um, somebody thinking they can control maybe four little dogs. Yeah, um, I still knees and you know little poodles or whatever, something like that. Yeah, you can probably just walk along with them. But, but when you start getting bigger dogs that uh, you know are a, 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 a pack, you know they're all they're all together, aren't they? You know, if it's five of them live together, they're all they're all together. If somebody knocks on the door, well, one of them's not going to bark. They all start barking, all start jumping up at door and all that. But it's a sad case that a dog walker who's trying to earn a couple of quid. You know, ends up dead, being ripped apart by by a pack of dogs. If you think about it, if you had a dog, I don't have a dog, but you know, if if either of us had a dog and we commissioned somebody to walk the dog, would we think twice about it if she turned up or he turned up with maybe six or seven dogs? I mean, is it something that we would say, you know, are you sure you can control all these? Well, well I, I, I had a dog. I had a Bichon Frise, and. Uh, he, he was lovely, right? There's no way I would let a dog walker turn up at my gate with a pack of dogs and say, right, come on, uh, I'll, te- I'll take him, because he was a small thing, you know. I, you just wouldn't do it. You know, j- hang on a minute. You, I, I think you've got enough there, lady, and they're all there barking away. And Oh, no. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any, let my dog go walking with anybody else. No. 
Do you think this will have ramifications? Do you think that maybe they'll stop trying to bring a rule or two in that, you know, you can't have more than, say, five dogs with you at any given time? Well, I mean, how many times have we had the, the savage kids? Yeah. Dogs that are living in their own house. Yeah. You know, because there's two or three or four in the house. And, and the, 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 the woman in the house, you know, has been, they've all been, and some that the, the sons, you know, these little men who want big dogs that are growling and barking and all that, send them to their mum's house and, and all of a sudden they've, they've attacked his mother and killed him. We've had all that in paper. It's, yeah, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I look at things going through Facebook where you've got maybe a baby and um, lying yeah. right next to a bulldog or a staffy or, or something, which really I would never, ever have any of my family uh, do something like that because basically I think even with any dog, uh, the most loving dog, if a little kid comes along and pulls it, then really you can't blame the dog. It's not fair to the dog to give it a situation like that where it can, you know, be pulled, have its ear pulled or whatever, and, and then obviously that would be something it would react to. I mean, I have lads who have uh, staffies and Alsatians and them Dobermans and all that, and they have they have little kids, but you can tell when you go in the house, you know, the, the dog just, you know, it just comes up, wants a quick stroke, and I'll go and lie down. You know, they, they do. I mean, they, they, they always say, oh, once you've had a baby, it'll be easy if you get a dog. No, it's not always easier because you don't know what the dog's going to be like. But if you get it from a pup and, and you fetch it up right, then it'll do whatever you say because that, that's what they do. They'll do anything for a treat. Okay. But, but big dogs, no. Okay. Um... There's some very nasty little video clips appearing online in the newspapers at the moment. And the one I was looking at, which I thought, well, we'll see what you think of this one. And it tells you about a fight escalated between two men in a Mercedes estate and a pedestrian. This was all kicking off in Acton in West London, and it was on January the 11th. Um, but uh, there was a bit of a bust-up, and then 20 minutes after the bust-up, one of the men was back in the local laundrette finishing his washing. Uh, this, according to onlookers. One witness said he just carried on and did his washing, whacked someone with a windscreen wiper, then went and did his darks. The pedestrian throws a punch at the driver before wrenching off the Mercedes windscreen wiper and brandishing it like a weapon. Another man, seemingly a friend of the pedestrian, joined in, and as he did so, the driver appeared to pull out a hammer from the boot of his car. Uh, they showed you this, and obviously, um, I'm I'm trying my best to think back to our younger days. I think there's a lot more of this going on at the moment. I don't know that it's just me. What do you think? Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, if you had an argument in a pub years ago, two of them went outside, sorted it out, come back in and bought each other a pint. No, there's knives, there's hammers, there's guns, there's all sorts. I mean, so one was doing his washing walks outside and did this Mercedes come towards him or something and he just, or he just, oh, I'm having you or whatever it is. You know, you get some of these, that, you know, these cheap drop merchants. You can be walking along the street and what, somebody's walking past you, they turn around and smack you on the back of head. Well, what's the head. What's the world coming to? Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
I mean, I was I was looking at it, um, trying my best to see whether where the fault was really coming from. Uh, the paper didn't seem to give you that information. They're just regaling in putting a video on. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you wonder how much of this can even be contrived these days. But, I mean, you know, I think we can live without this. I mean, if you look at a newspaper, for example, you you couldn't do that um, unless it became online. So it's changing a lot more of even the news, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, you, you can go out, you can go to a, you know, a, a, a gig somewhere and all of a sudden somebody gets stabbed in, as it's getting ready for, for near end. Well, how do, what's happened to them? You know, all these tough guys and this, that and the other, you know, they all want to be tough guys, but they've got to carry a knife with them. You know, because everybody's going to be stabbing each other. There's just too much of it. And and unless you, unless you crack down on it, because you'll get some of them, if they don't actually die, but the the life-changing injuries, yeah, you know, they, they might, you know, cut him somewhere where he's paralysed or whatever. Yeah. And they get suspended sentences. Well, anybody carrying a knife should be put in prison. I totally agree with you. It? I totally agree with you, Neil. I think the problem is, you know, we were talking earlier about the judiciary and really this idea that 12 people can come off the streets and give you the their thoughts. And then, you know, um, I don't know whether it's that the judge overrides them or the judge doesn't see uh, the same stuff that the journalists are printing as uh, what was said in court. I mean, you know, when you know somebody has been proven guilty by their own words, and then you read that the judge doesn't send them to jail or whatever is, you know, necessary to stop that sort of a problem... Um, Okay, I better move on because obviously uh, I've got a couple of things I still want to try and get your thoughts on. So, uh, yeah, here's the next one. Okay, so this goes a bit deeper into the same sort of a problem because um, a fight escalated between... Um, beg your pardon, I'm going to the wrong one again. Shocking footage again showing in the the paper online showing the moment three men killed a biker by driving a van into him. Now, you know, that's bad enough, but then when you actually look at what it's all about for wearing his colours on their rival motorcycle gang's turf. Um, the trio were jailed for a total of 20 years for manslaughter. Um, you see, I don't see that as manslaughter. Once no, you, I don't either. Once you drive a car at somebody on a bike, then that is a murderous thought because, you know, you, you're obviously... Um, OK, you might not be wanting to murder them, but then again, you're forgetting that that's what a car does. A car goes out and kills people. Um, moving on to the rest of it, in sickening dash cam footage, David Crawford, now this guy is a 59-year-old, is seen being knocked off his bike before being dragged hundreds of metres under the van 
and left for dead by the side of the A38 near Plymouth, down in Devon, obviously. He was deliberately targeted on the night of May the 12th last year by a rival Bandidos gang who were bloodthirsty for revenge. Prosecutors were arguing this at the trial. Um, Benjamin Parry, so that's one of the guys, um, 42. Chad Brading, 36. Thomas Powell, a poorly 32. All cleared of murder, but convicted of manslaughter. Parry was jailed for 12 years on Friday, while Brady, Brading and Paulie were each sentenced for four years. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if there's a gang of three go out, I don't even understand how they can um, differentiate between these sentences and each of those three people. Um, exactly. They've all known what was exactly. going to happen. You driving a, a, a motor van or a, a motor car or anything, and, you, and you're intent on on knocking the driver off a off a motorbike, and then you know he's underneath because you're literally banging and clattering, and you don't stop or anything like that. Well, that's a deliberate murder action. All three of them should have got uh, convicted of murder. How can it be manslaughter if they've d- deliberately aimed at him? I get that if he if he swerved for a cat or a dog and he hit somebody, that could you know and killed him. That could be like manslaughter in a couple of years or four years or whatever it is because it were an accident you know but to deliberately drive well, that's like just picking a gun up and shooting somebody in the head I mean the very fact that there's these gangs um, the police must be aware of it mustn't they well, we had mods and rockers years ago didn't we fist, fist fighting on to, in were it Bournemouth I can't remember where we was going to but mods and rockers yeah. you know they were the same you know, having a bust up and this and the other, but they were they were no like you know guns and knives and God knows what. You know, they all just used to go and have a big ruckus and then all disappear. I suppose the difficulty is where do you control it, or even how right, do you? I've just remembered um, at Brighton they used to have a fight, didn't they? Yeah, Near they did. Every year. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, how would you get the police to control these things? Because if you've got maybe, I don't know, 40 or even 20 bikers all turning up, um, you know, mob-handed, it's going to be very, very difficult for a couple of local bobbies to turn up. And, of course, these days they all turn up in cars most of the time and um, they probably don't... Ah, I don't know. I, I, I'm just lost for words because, unfortunately, you just don't think things like this should be going on at this day and age, but they do, don't they? Well, it, 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 it seems to be more relevant now than it were years ago you know it, it, they're going out with you know with weapons and, and stuff like that at one time it were a fist fight and then right sorted we had enough let's go off you went i mean i can remember uh in my teenage years that we had the the, the teddy boys and very often you would have to really keep your wits about you to make sure you weren't around where a particular gang was but then Surely that should have always been the remit of the local bodies. Bobbies, they should have known um, where these people are. And similarly with a gang of bikers or, you, you know, these particular guys with their, their own turf and all this, that thing. Well, if if these gangs know of it, they, then I'm pretty sure that the, the police must be aware somewhere. You see, and a lot of it now is drugs, isn't it? You know, 
they, 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 you know, they, they have gang war, gang wars on on somebody's turf. There, you know, that gang here and that gang there, and they're all fighting each other and stabbing each other, and it's because they're taking some of our customers, you know, because we want to sell drugs to them and this that, and the other. It's just I don't know. I'll tell you, Will's Will's absolutely going do lally. Well, I mean, we, you know, we, we can't pretend that, you know, everything was uh, uh, very, very different in the respect that, you know, there were no bad lads or, you know, people didn't do things. But, and they, but they got punished. Yeah, that's the difference. And they changed there? the ways. Because if you don't put that punishment in there and they're only getting, you know, as you say, four years for deliberately driving at one man and not stopping it when he's bouncing underneath it and this, that and the other, well, that that's... For you, do me a favour. Well, we'll send them to prison for life with a minimum of 13 years. It what did alive become 13 years? No, yeah. you stay in there until you're dead. You go out in a wooden box. You, you go back to what we've talked about now for the best part of 10 years, which is basically you build different types of prisons. They've never done this. They, they'll build a new prison, but they don't seem to ever, um, you know, show you that they'll send somebody to a different prison for different grades of offence. I mean, I, I know you, you can read a bit about this, but, you know, if, if you're going to put them on islands, um, I suppose the nearest that you've got to that would be probably on the Isle of Wight, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, prisoners now, they like holiday camps. You can have a phone, you can have televisions, you've got a gym, you've got this, that, and the other. No, it's a punishment. It's not a holiday. It's a punishment. We, we've got it years ago, didn't we? We went, all them islands, go and build one, and why should I keep paying to feed them and keep them warm when I can't, you know, some people can't afford to keep their houses warm at the moment. Put them <laughs> on a prison, some were in outer Hebrides, and the, and the family have to go and feed them. They'll soon cut down on crime then. Well, I mean, because they, the family will tell them, "You're not. We're not doing this anymore." You know. You've just uh, come up with a solution for the immigrant crisis anyway. All the illegal immigrants, you we'll know, have to send, send them back. Get that plane kicked up. Get them back. Illegal or, immigrants. Get them back. Or put them migrants, in. Or, we're helping migrants. We're helping them from Ukraine. We've always helped them. But if you're going on to illegal immigrants, I'd, I'd have the plane ticking over as they get off the boat, put them in a van, put them on the plane, send them back. Gone. Okay, a uh, couple more. Uh, let's see, we'll go to... Do, 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 do. Go to this one. Okay, now then, hundreds of female soldiers I was reading about, they'd uh, accused their colleagues of rape and were misdiagnosed with a personality disorder. This has all come out now. The victims said that after they sought help for sexual assault from the military's departments of community mental health, they were written off with emotionally unstable personality disorder and medically discharged. Uh, this is in The Telegraph, and Paula Edwards, the chief executive of Salute Her UK, a charity for female military workers who have suffered rape and sexual assault, said women were being over-diagnosed and misdiagnosed so the military could get rid of the problem. That's disgusting, isn't it? Rape is disgusting to anybody, whether it be male on male, male on female, whatever. No, 
Rape is absolutely disgusting and it should be wiped out. And if you get caught raping somebody, you're affecting their lives near enough forever. But you you'll just go and do a few a few months in, in prison and then you back out and you can do exactly the same again. Because once it's in your in your DNA, that raping thing and, and sexual assaulting, it only it, it just leads to a, a worse crime later on, like murder. You know. It, I, I suppose it's disgusting. I suppose right. part of part of the problem has got to be that, you know, if you're a professional army and um, obviously you want the army to be professional, then you really have got to set standards, I suppose, in uh, the barrack room and, you know, the places where they can relax. And suppose that's part of the problem because, you know, if you don't have a standard and if you're not accepting certain standards of behaviour, then you're going to get these outbreaks of uh, bullying and sexual assault and rape and things like this. It must yeah. be a very, very difficult line to draw between uh, bringing people that can go out and kill as part of what they are there to do and then, uh, you know, getting them to believe that uh, they've got to, got to be nice citizens and behave properly in their private lives as well. And these Thank women you. have been totally, you know, been horribly treated, haven't they? Well, as I say, any form of rape, you know, whether it's husband on his wife or anybody on young kids, anything, rape it should have a, a mandatory sentence of so many years. Bang. There's no ifs, no buts, no. Well, he didn't know what he was doing. He was suffering from this, that, you know, got all these psychiatrists involved and God knows what. No, you all know that when somebody says no, it means no. Okay, totally with you as we go to the last one then for today. Now, there's a day which was yesterday and it's called Blue Monday. And apparently it was coined by the psychologist Dr. Cliff Arnold, who worked out a formula to show how the third Monday in January is especially bad. It takes into account factors including the average time for New Year's resolutions to fail, the bad weather, debt, the time since Christmas and motivational levels. Uh, so what can I do to feel better? Dr. Arnold, formerly a tutor at Cardiff University, so said in 2019, people should embrace the opportunity to turn over a new leaf, whether it's embarking on a new career, meeting new friends, taking up a new hobby, booking a new adventure. January is a great time to make those big decisions. To combat feeling low in January, health experts recommended a mix of exercise, fruit and veg, vitamin C, um, bloody bloody blah uh, that's all very well and most of us will probably be quite happy to agree with all of that but blue monday you got to be kidding surely <laughs> <When I laughs> it's it's making it's making me laugh when, when i were working and i'd been out with lads for a weekend right every monday were a blue monday for me by by mon by monday tea time once i'd finished my shift I were happy again. I were back happy again. They were every Monday. It's not one a year. I mean, oh, well, well if, I, if I eat a few grapes and a banana and something else, I'll feel wonderful. No, you won't. If you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. But as far as third Monday or whatever it is, this professor, no wonder he's an ex-professor. 
nobody's took any notice of him. I think that's the problem, you see. It's the problem that I always thought was prevalent in most of the um, the academic world I ever was part of. Um, you know, it's like people are trying to reinvent and present something different as their idea and, and then become the guru that everybody can talk to on that particular subject. You know, and realistically, the third Monday of January, it's the same as... Uh, the only thing I can say possibly that i would understand is if you've spent a lot of money over christmas and um, maybe the new year and then you're waiting for your monthly salary to come in so the third month of january would be just about when you'd expect to have uh, less money i would think that would be something that could make you feel a bit blue but you know yeah but your, sal- your salary won't come in until the next monday would it do you know what i mean yeah, I mean... it's around, what, the 17th or something, right? So you're still not going to get your salary, are you? But every... Listen, at our age, Vince, when I wake up in the morning, I go, yippee, I'm still here. That'll do me. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Yeah. I, I do think some of these people... Uh, I mean, you'll switch on a radio station and you'll hear today is like uh, eat your hamburger in the left-hand day. Oh, uh, the, you know... These professors, I don't... How do they qualify in... In, 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 all, in some of all these subjects, they, they make a subject up, they, they, they speak about it. It's just common sense. If you feel a bit rough on a, on a Monday morning or any morning, then just set, get yourself settled down, get a cup of tea, wake up, get yourself ready and go and do something. You know, it, it, yeah. I, uh, I think... Professors, um... do me a favour. I think they, they, somebody sees these mad professors type thoughts and then somebody else from a marketing department has come up with, um, oh, <clears throat> hang on, if we make that Blue Monday and then uh, reduce the prices. I mean, it's like with the Black Friday and the um, other well, days. Well, that this year, wasn't it, that one? Ha, wasn't it N- just? Nobody ever went anywhere, I don't think. I didn't see any at shops, you know, clambering and this, that and the other on news and especially down at La Marina here, you know, nothing seemed to happen, you know. Well, um... It makes me laugh. Okay. Just uh, as we've got a minute, I'm looking at the, the headlines in the paper this morning, and, I mean, really... Uh, you only need to look at the breaking news and the, the what they put as the headline to realise uh, we've got everything skewed wrongly. You know, it's... Um, BBC Breakfast turns 40. 40 that, that's, yeah. that's just come I mean, up as a headline. How can that... That's, re- that's really going to cheer everybody up. You know, it's not... But what they should do is stop the news from coming on. And nobody knows about it then, so everybody's happy, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, before we, got, we have to go... They put the analogue clock on in the bottom corner that they did, you know, when they started off. And there were hundreds of people sending in. They couldn't tell the time with it. <laughs> now, that tells you what type of a world we're in, yeah. doesn't it? You see a clock, there's, you know, with all, your, all the fingers and thingy. And no, they were set, you got hundreds of things saying that they couldn't tell the time. Can you put it back to 9.32 or 15.15 or whatever? What world are we living in? You can't tell the time. Neil, you need a break. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have one. A nervous breakdown, I think. Yeah. You can't tell time with a watch or God knows what. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Lovely. Okay. Um... Nah.
Speak to you soon, Vince. Speak yeah? to you soon, Neil. Thank you very much indeed. Lovely. Speak Bye now. See you later, Vince. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.